The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. We are here after um, a an interesting bit of movie protocol, folks, but we will get into that in a second. Um, what's up, Benji Games 2? I am your host, Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nose Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effect you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? We are back from Movie Protocol and hosting from the borough of kings and you know what i have to play now in the in 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 honor of our movie protocol for guardians of the galaxy volume three again hopefully Hopefully that little bit doesn't get us uh, get this uh, copyright written because they're getting wild. Because I put in it again and then I played it again. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, <laughs> just, they, they wilding nowadays. So <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. But yes, folks, uh, we are going to get into some spoiler light talk about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three in a second. But let me finish up the uh, particulars of the intro in saying that this here podcast can be found on the Coastal Podcast Network. That's cspn.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts. Sure. Um, Spotify and the Cole Slither Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and leave us all the positive five star reviews that helps, especially on Apple Podcasts. That's right, and we're not those uh, SoundCloud rappers you keep hearing about, or you, you used to hear about either. Although, um, maybe there's somebody on the, the, the network that's doing some rapping on the thing. I don't know. I doubt it. Uh, th- but, folks, that's being the case. Um, we record every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Normally, uh, Eastern Standard Time on the uh, YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's YouTube.com slash The Click Nation and Twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles. Again, please hit like, subscribe, and make sure to hit the notification button so that you know when we are on live. Yeah. And again, shout out to Benji Games, who is in the chat. Always uh, always with us. Appreciate you. What's up? 
But yeah, so let's get right into it, folks. We are going to dig into some uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And I'm just going to start. I'm going to let... Um, well, uh, let me Engine hit the 70. spoiler bell, because we are definitely going to go spoiler light. Yes. So I'm um, going to the spoiler bell. Okay, go for it. All right, here we go in three, two, one. At least light minor spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. If you still not have not yet watched the movie and do not want any sort of spoiler, make sure to fast forward past this part. So I'm going to let Agent 70 pretty much uh, take the head on this because he seems to have a slightly better memory of it than, than I do. Oh, no. I do. Even though I do remember a good bit, a bit of it, and I will definitely chime in, but I'm just going to say um, that I don't know what folks have been smoking out there, and this will probably tell you how I feel about the movie in in a in a light sense. But some of the um, I dare say hyperbolic sounding um, um, thoughts on the movie are out there in full force, and it's ridiculous. So, I kind of see where Roddy Cat is coming from on this. All right, let me say I really did enjoy this movie a lot. Same. It is not a perfect movie. Right. Not by any means. It is a gun specialty. And that has its positives and negatives. There are a great number of sound drops, music drops in this. Some to great effect, some to not so great effect. You know, it's debatable. I think that um, some characters are very much well served in the story. Some of them are still some of them are still being treated very strangely. A couple of characters I think are not served very well by Gunn's interpretation. One of them being Adam Warlock. But there is a caveat to that because the Adam Warlock that we meet in this movie is supposed to be on the young and undeveloped, immature side, and that gives character that gives the character room to grow and other creators, other other writers to um, continue the character's development and story. But in terms of the overall picture and the overall story, I really enjoyed this because Gunn took so many like they weren't even dangling plot lines and he wrapped them up right like the like the like the battery the energy eating uh creatures at the beginning of part two come back right and i had to explain that to some to 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 my buddies who were in my movie going crew i said those that's from the beginning of part two remember them and they were like oh and i think they and may have also used those in the like, video game the the recent video game too i think oh okay i mean that's that that reference is uh, is out of my uh uh frame of reference but i will say that uh, to a certain extent i understood that unless you actually actively went back and watched it or just have a a decent memory of the movie uh i don't blame them for not remembering because guardians 2 is a long time ago right now because of you know the whole controversy with guns uh firing from marvel and the pandemic and blah 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 right so um i will say we you know it, it has to be understood that the christmas special is kind of required viewing because that helps you understand where the characters are at the beginning of this movie yep you should not skip the holiday special, the Christmas. I think it's the holiday special they call it, right? Correct. Right. 
do not skip the holiday special if you're going to go into if you want to go into Guardians three with an understanding of where the characters are in their story arcs in the in the in the timeline of the Marvel universe. Um, you know, the movie opens with Adam Warlock making a pretty big entrance, and that leads us. You know, that's the impetus. That's the that's the spark of the story, and. You know, it's not a big spoiler to say that the 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 backstory, the origin of Rocket is the beating heart of this movie. And that is where, you know, the adaptation of his uh, his origin and incorporating the high evolutionary comes in. That's obviously not canonical in the comics, but I understand. Right. I sound like Chris Rock. It's like I'm not saying you should have killed her. But I understand, right. you know, so at the end of the day, I enjoyed this there. There were, you know, obviously just some weird quirks, but I think that most people come out of this movie and, and I got this feeling there's a reason why my friends and I, we stood in front of the theater for more than an hour, you know, like we like we didn't get we didn't have a we didn't get an earlier show. We got a later show. So we didn't start until eight thirty. Which means a movie didn't start until like eight fifty, and we didn't get out until like eleven something. We were in front of the theater talking until after midnight. We old, right? <laughs> you know, we, you know, like what are we doing out here after midnight just talking? You know, in front of a movie theater. We're not trying. We're not at a bar or anything. We're just talking, right? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think everyone is coming off of a good high out of that movie because. The ending is mostly satisfying. The characters find themselves in mostly good places at the end. And the the, the movie as the caps as the end cap, as the as as the, the, the tail end, as the as the capper for the trilogy works. It absolutely works. And I think that's what people are taking away from this movie. That it's, you know, that balance of action and wonder and, 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 and great characters. You know, even though we're not fans of all of the characterization, we, they're still good characters. You know, they're characters that we know and love, that we are attached to now. And, you know, we hope that they find themselves in good places, you know, when these stories end. So, you know, that's that's important. And that's what I you know. Honestly, that's what differentiates these Marvel movies from every other comic book universe or any every other universe, Star Wars included. Right. Like right. if they can't find a way to make these characters. Just, you know, characters that you want to care about, then you've failed when it comes to telling the story. You know, we care about a a, a a digital tree and a digital raccoon. You know what I'm saying? Think about that. Think right. about that, folks. These are CGI characters that we care about. You know, that we want to see succeed. We do not want to see them harmed. And if we do see them harmed, we want retribution. <laughs> and, uh, and there is a Twitter. I know there is a Twitter account. Uh, and some very rabid, and no no pun intended, 
fans of Rocket Raccoon that I've I've yet to see what they thought about the movie yet, but they're they are totally out there and they've been out there since since before Guardians One. So that's how that's how hardcore some of these some of these folks are. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Oh my gosh. All right, I just got a pretty funny text. I'm sorry. Anyway, no, no, you're good. Uh, bottom line though, with this movie, you know, I think and I'll leave and I'll open it up to Roddy Cat because I I I see his point, but I think that what everyone's saying is a feeling as opposed to like what their you know actual you know their their actual uh review on a very critical level is of this movie so you're saying they're hooked on a feeling uh, uh, <laughs> that was listen, gonna happen folks you, you there is no way in the world that wasn't going to happen right so i will tell you this you know uh, you know, with regards to the music, one, you know, we we both know why I had to play the Beastie Boys drop mm-hmm. to open the show, right? Because of what happens in the movie. That's one of the best scenes in recent memory. That entire sequence, one of the best scenes. Because I think I was singing along out loud and I had my arms and head and I had the head nod and my arms pumping and I was singing along out loud and just like watching, you know, uh, a ballet of death on the screen. And on a side note, we got a hallway fight <laughs> in true Marvel well, fashion. There it is. Yeah, there it is. There it was, you know. So, so and it's it was. Listen, I had a good time. It was a it was an enjoyable movie. I really did not notice that it was again, you know, two and a half hours long. Right, which to its I credit, right to its credit, that was a good thing because it didn't make because if it was, it would have been a bad sign if it kind of made you be like, all right, this is still going, huh? It, it actually flowed. There were, I feel like, there's probably a couple of wasted moments, maybe, but they weren't that bad to where it's like you you didn't think too much about it because it was like, yeah, some stuff that was like there, and then they kind of moved on. So right, and they weren't as opposed to the last couple of movies kind of lingering on a couple of things uh, here and there. But that being said, so to get into my little quick and dirty. So uh, going back on what agent 70 said about the music. Yes. And I thought, and this is what I'm about to say is not new because I told him this a couple of days ago when we were talking, it feels like Gunn pretty much emptied the clip on all of the music that he had left that he could, uh, that he wanted to put in, which apparently uh, we'll get into this in the news section. There is one piece of music that he couldn't get. Really? Yeah. Um, What what music group said no to being included in the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack? That's actually I'm not even. Well, I'm not sure if that was the case because this looks like because this from what I skimmed of the article, like I'm not even sure who. I don't know. I didn't skim enough of the article to 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 see what was the reason. Oh, to see to see who said no. I gotcha. Well, no, I know I saw who's who. who, What was the case? What the song that they were trying to get? But I'm like, it's not a. it was was not a song that was uh, familiar to me. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Because at the end of the said, day, there are so many songs over the course of these three soundtracks right. that are going to get a lot of play because they're on the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. And and to Gunn's credit, he's you know he pulls some cuts. You know, if if you are knowledgeable mm-hmm. enough about music, you would be like, huh, interesting. Now that also going back to that, it was like the reason why I say he just pretty much emptied the clip. 
is because of the aforementioned one Beastie Boys thing, which, as I told Agent Seven, is like, oh shit, we got J.J. Abrams. <laughs> when that came up, I just like him. I was like, I was into it and all that, but I was at the same. But at, the, at first blush, I was like, oh no, God, he just Abrams us. Um, but of course, I mean, being, being a hip hop fan, if it was sabotage, I would have objected. Uh, that's well, I mean, oh yeah, yeah, that would have been absolutely worse. But at the same time, it was it didn't matter because, like I said, Beastie Boys in a in a high profile movie such as uh, in a blockbuster movie such as this, like I said, the last few times have been because of J J Abrams and it's like and Star right, Trek. So right, I was like, oh right. god, please no. What was it? What, wait, what's the what's the other one? Because I know obviously the OG Star Trek that he, he did. did. What was the other one? Sabotage twice, and I think intergalactic. No, that was uh, taken to the Marvels, which that's another one because the, no, the, 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 the Justin the, Lin one had Beastie Boys in it. I believe that's actually true. Also, yeah. So yeah, the Justin had. But Beastie I think Boys he, is, he. But I know all three Star Trek movies have had Beastie Boys in it. And I think I know Sabotage was on twice. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, no, I think that was that. Was, I think they replayed it in the Justin Lin one. So right, but but uh, but obviously the you know obviously No Sleep Till Brooklyn has a very special place in my heart. And so my. when I heard that was the track that they dropped, I was like, yo! I almost yelled it out in the theater. <laughs> yo, sleep! Like everyone would turned around, but like, who is this asshole? <laughs> right, and obviously, you know, Agent Seventy, as as we have well established, being the Brooklynite uh, amongst us, uh, obviously, it, it hits a little different. <laughs> yes, for me, for me, you know, like it, it is, it, it's definitely a, di- a little different, you know. So, right. because as always, I understood that reference, you know. <laughs> so, right. All right, so so to continue on, so let's see, we talked about the music, and like I said, there was, and like Age of Seven said, yeah, there was some stuff that was kind of well-placed, and some stuff that didn't seem like it was in place, like uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire's Reasons. I love that song, but the, the part they, personally, the part that they put that in, it was like, okay, that was strange. I don't mind it, but it was still strange. But I kind of get it, because like, I know back in the day, you know, as Age of Seven is probably going to attest to, doing mixtapes for either for themselves or for others, you know, sometimes right. you put that song in for the feel and not necessarily what the song is actually doing. Right. And I think that was a case of where it was like, yep, this was going off a of feel like it was nicely used, but it was just still out of place for what was going on uh, yep. during that part. And there was a couple of notes like that. So that's why I was like, yeah, this is definitely a uh, gun. Just, just, just getting, Checking off every last song that he couldn't get that he that they didn't get used in the last couple of movies out of the way, as mm. well as places they were. Uh, that being said, like uh, Agent Seven said, like, yeah, there were definitely some characters that didn't that didn't get served right. A continuing character that didn't get get served right. I'm looking at you, Mantis. Even though they did give her, they gave her something in this one. Like they've been, they still kind of pushing her upwards a little bit, but they still. Every time they do right. that, they're like, nope, we got to knock it back down again. Right. Uh, you know, just uh, and I'll let Roddy Cat continue. I think I, I, I think any sort of improvement to the treatment of Mantis was incremental at best. Yes. Because because Seven, I have am, and both have said in the past, like Mantis is a badass in the comic books. Like she's yeah. the celestial fucking Madonna. She kicks ass. Mm-hmm. And the whole time they've been kind of treating her like just a joke. Yep, yep, yep. 
I mean, it's the same thing with Drax. Same thing with Drax, you know? Right. So Yeah, and Drax, was, that Drax thing was a whole thing. It was like, okay, that whole bit with the uh, you know, with the with the him and the kids, it was like, all right, sure, you got to give him some resonance and whatnot. I, I sure you got to give him something other than what, you know, what the character has been so far. So, all right, yeah, I give him that. But anything else? Um, as far as that part is concerned, is that otherwise that I while I enjoyed the movie, I don't think it's like the I I don't think it's like the best Marvel movie to date, as people have been saying, and even the commercial that's out there saying. But I'm pretty sure there's, some, you know, there are people that are. I know some hyperbolic people also. So in, with respect to them, like, I know at least this person's going to be that way about a movie. But some of these other people that are saying some of the same stuff, just ridiculous. Like, no, yeah. it, yes, it was a good end of the. It was a good. Uh, it was a good end to the story to the Guardians of the story. I there's some stuff I kind of wish for as a Guardians of the Galaxy fan, but I knew it was never going to happen. But also, it would have been more of the OG Guardians coming into play and not Stallone just popping in as whatever character he's supposed to be and the other dude, you know, and no Michelle Yeoh, you know. You know, there you know there was some, some interesting choices that was made uh, in this movie. But overall, like I said, I, I came out, like I told Agent 7, I came out uh, and I... I bought my ticket to uh, Fast X, which we'll talk about at, in, at the end of the show. But I still went home kind of, you know, thinking about it as you kind of do, you know, as a, was this actually that good? Was this actually that bad? Was it, you know, how did it tie up? And, you know, definitely tied up as far as the story is concerned well enough. Like they, they brought everything home the way they needed to be, you know. Right. Um, right. I don't know if they're ever actually going to do much more with Adam Warlock. Um, we don't know. Yeah, we don't we, know. Right. So here we're getting into a little bit more spoiler territory. Right. Yeah. I wanted oh, to I, touch not, upon. This yeah. Before. I wanted to touch upon this before we stepped away. Okay. There are in fact two credit scenes. Two. Yeah, stickers. I was going to mention that, but yeah, go ahead. Right. Oh no, I was about to. Say, I wasn't sure if you were going to like wrap up and move on or, or mention this. I just wanted to say that there are two right. and they both deal with the future. That's right. what I was going to say without delving into them because, you know, for whatever reason I still had in my theater as packed as it was a couple people get up, you know, maybe they just needed to pee and they watched the credits from the, from the, uh, the entrance of the theater because they need to go pee. Maybe. I don't know. I doubt it. And there's, there's, there are still oh, some of those people that are still around that are just going, yes, like, I, I credits so rolled, I'm out. Right, exactly. So ultimately, that's, you know, I just wanted to, to remind everyone that there are, in fact, two stingers, one mid and one post. Right. And they're both still fairly centered around, like, you expect one to be centered around, at the very least, characters in the movie, and then something to push forward the, you know, the, the greater overall... Um, uh, phase to which I guess that second one did because I'm very curious as to what was they were talking. I'm not, not without going into it, what that was talking about. Um, mm -hmm. and, and what was that supposed to be? I mean, I know what it was supposed to be because it was, you know, it was whatever it was, but I was like, yeah, but okay, what is that talking about and where is that leading? <laughs> it was the question that I had on my mind, but otherwise, that there was definitely some, um, yeah, there was there was some there was some forward momentum on um 
the, the going towards the future and some some new folks into play. Put it this way, that came out of the yeah. movie. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, a couple of quick notes on the movie. One, I do not think this is appropriate for children. Oh, thank under- you for bringing that up because I, I need to tell this quick story real quick. Because yes, I don't know because- if you had it in your um, in theater, but. And granted, oh, no, we had, had a pretty late showing, so yeah. Right. Well, uh, uh, William Bruce West said apparently on uh, I saw on Twitter it was like, yeah, somebody brought uh, some kids to attend some, some ten o'clock show. Jeez. And a, what Agent Seventy uh, said is spot on because I was like, there was a curtain even actually from the beginning, but there's a couple of spots, you know, here and there during the course of the movie. It's like, yeah, these are not kid friendly at all. No, no, no. Uh, and there were some, there were know, a couple of young kids, like like single digit age age kids in my in my theater. Really? Yeah. That's a tough one. That's a tough one because at, at there upwards are probably maybe pushing eight or nine. I, I, I would guess I couldn't really really tell, but they were definitely young. I was like, yeah, them kids should not have been here. Yeah, you know, there, there's a there are a couple of reasons for what I said. Right. Mm-hmm. One of them is, you know, there are some pretty violent scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Right. There is a lot of exaggerated violence in this movie. Um, you know, plenty of gunplay uh, and, and whatnot. There's also, you know, there are also, even though it's it's mostly sanitized, there are definite instances of, you know, animal experimentation and, you know, maybe not outright animal cruelty, but it's definitely heavily implied. So, you know, just, you know, be aware of that. And some, and uh, some don't bring little kids to this. This is right. not kid friendly. And some slight, maybe pseudo body horror. Actually, it's not so slight. Yeah. Now that I think about the, the near the end, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we literally get like Warlock basically does something pretty horrific to somebody, and so you know, more. But uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know that that's not you know I, I was a little on the shocked side, you know, right. going from Guardians One to this, you know. Right. I guess Gunn said it's like, well, if I, I'm, I'm going out, I'm going out with a bang. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And taking exactly. the crew with me, which yep, he yep, actually yep. is. But then we'll get into that later. Um, there was something else on that point I was going to mention. Then we can we can uh, let it let it roll unless you got something else. But um. That's it for me. I think I, I I covered the post credits. I covered a little bit of the violence and 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 the age appropriateness of it. So yeah, that's what it really is. That was something else I was going to bring up uh, on that line, um, but I can't think of it right now. So it is, it is it is what it is. If I think about it, I'll put it on Twitter or something. So it's, it clearly was not that big a deal. But yeah, hey, I'm sure people have seen it by now. It clearly did well in the box office. Um, yep. So yeah, we might talk more spoilers uh, at uh, the, the next episode later this week, just to see if there's anything else that pops up, you know, that we want to talk about. Maybe it's in the news. So there will definitely be that because as as the movie has come out, there's been stuff that's been kind of spoilery, you know, that that tends to come out. So. Sure. Uh, that being said, though, uh, we were actually eight to seventy. Um, yep, you watched Star Wars Visions. Yes, two. I did. You got impressions on that, correct? Yes, I have impressions. I will not spoil anything because Roddy Cat has not watched any of it. But I will say that um, this is 
uh, a nice expansion of the star the idea of Star Wars Visions because the first go around was very uh, anime based and they opened up the good folks over at Lucasfilm opened up the um, the the, uh, the the people who could contribute and and participate in this type of project to worldwide animation studios we have a very diverse group of animation studios 2d uh 3d computer rendered so on and so forth a mix of all of them of many of those styles many different storytelling points of view with uh character origins and even languages and music influences that play prominent roles in the expansion of the star Wars mythology. So I, uh, there are definitely a few that are very much worth watching. So I recommend giving those a shot. Yeah. I, I, matter of fact, I, when I mentioned it to uh, age of the seven, a couple of days ago, I was like, I had intended on watching at least started watching them and did not get a chance to watch any of them. Right. And you'll see how that plays out during the course of this show, because I read all of two comic books as a, as opposed to Roddy cat who got a lot of reading done because I was watching star Wars visions and he was not. (laughs) Yes. So, you know, we just kind of come together. We, we, we fill in the blanks. We balance each other out. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, And that being said, we are actually going to, inch closer to the books ends in which we say that uh this past Saturday was uh yesterday as of the time it was recorded which is on a Sunday was free comic book day in the well I guess all everywhere but in the US specifically um and neither one of us went <laughs> oh you know we have it's not completely on point but bad baby Oh, we were bad babies yesterday, yo. Yeah, it, it was a it was an interesting time because, like, like I said last week, and I know Agent Seventy was had had um, had intentions. Yes, uh, I did have intentions. Yeah, but it was like, yeah, nothing came over. It, not, it, it didn't happen. It just didn't happen at all. And I was like, yeah, I kind of wanted to go, but it's like, yeah, this other stuff was going on. So I was like, I kind of need to do this. And and I was going to go today, even though it wasn't a free comic book day. But I was like. Man, I'm I'm already busy doing this other stuff, and I need to get it other way. So let me uh, forget it. <laughs> it's just it's right. gone. It's the, I had I, I have read a couple of free comic book day books that are out there because I know DC put um, a few of theirs out, and you know you can find a couple of others elsewhere that mm-hmm. are digitally. Um, so yeah, I did read a couple of them, but Marvel's notoriously well notoriously you know um, hold theirs for a couple of weeks or to a month or so before they actually put them out for people to uh, get digitally. So yeah, they hit, they'll hit unlimited. It's uh, at some point. Yeah. Basically. And other, well, I was the end of the places, but since they left uh, <laughs> comicsology, that's not going to be the place. Right. But that being said, hopefully if you got a chance to uh, take partake of uh, free pie comic day, I hope you bought something from the store and not just took the, the free goodies. Exactly. Cause yeah, and and I said what I was going in there for, I can pretty much go in there for any any time, or at least for for my local spot. Like if they still have what I want, I can go in there anytime. So we'll see. That being said, we're going to go into the books uh, with 
Spider-Man number eight. All righty. Spider-Man number eight is written by Dan Slott with art by with pencils, actually, by Mark Bagley. Inks by John Dell and Andrew Hennessy. Colors by Edgar Delgado and letters by our favorite, favorite lettering Paisan VCs Joe Caramagna. So, as I have said, since the ending of the, uh, what is it, the end of the Spider-Verse, death of the Spider-Verse, I forgot what it's called already. Uh, end of Spider-Verse, yeah. End of Spider-Verse. I thought this Spider-Man adjective-less title was going to end. I was wrong. In fact, it is continuing as a, you know, a companion book to the Amazing Spider-Man book that is, you know, the mainstay title of the uh, Spider-Man corner of the Marvel Universe. And this issue finds Peter basically back in the saddle again. And he is revisiting an old trope. I don't know if, if that's the right way to put it, but this is definitely an old idea that slot is revisiting. And that is Peter as Spider-Man thinking he needs to do more because he comes up short. Right. In the superhero department. And, and you that, that, you know, that's to, not, sorry. I was about to say, that's not an old story when it comes to Peter Parker, uh, a.k.a., you know, I mean, uh, I'll, I would say like E.G. Uh, six-armed Peter Parker, you know? Right. Actually, I was going to go further to that. I, I think this particular way, uh, this particular thing that is happening is pretty much been done before, I feel like. Oh, yeah. But this exact thing has kind of been done, maybe in a slightly different way, but what has been done before. And I, had, I found myself saying, Peter, didn't you learn the first time you tried this or the first time this happened to you? Right. But, right. But, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, continuity and the lack of it being what it is, you know, it's kind of tough. But, it, you know, it's as, as, as you said, though, it is uh, a, um, uh, and you know it, it's it's an adaptation right mm. it's a modification of what we've seen before and i guess that's what you know that's sometimes the best that we can ask for yeah plus as as um to to coin agent 70s phrase if you're of a certain vintage that would be one of the only reasons you would remember something like this what that has happened before <laughs> Exactly, exactly, exactly. Like newer Spider-Man fans and or slash readers probably would not recognize the fact that it was like, yeah, this is this has kind of been done. Yep. So, but that being said, we we kind of get some things coming together. So, like, yeah, the the thing we're kind of dancing around is happening. If you see, uh, if you're on, if you're on the video version, uh, you can see the cover of Spider-Man Eight, uh, and yeah, that that pretty much happens. Uh, so it's kind of the coming together of like, hey, this thing happens, and then there's this villain that kind of comes across who is doing a thing, and of course Peter being Peter, Peter, Peter as I say in my notes, Peter Petering. Yeah, tends pretty to much. Do, uh, at times, um, and then this whole other thing with Spider Boy is, is apparently um, still in the place that we still don't know a whole, whole lot about, but he's around, and this is definitely going to come into play. Um, 
so yeah and we also get a reminder this is a slight well this is more of a spoiler but this is this happens at the beginning of the book and you know uh but we get reminded of uncle ben's actual quote yes because it is oft quoted but oft misquoted or i'm not misquoted but slightly off quoted i should say yeah i think misquoted is accurate but i think you know saying that it's just lacking in a certain word right which is kind of funny because i was like wait i went back and kind of did a little research like i feel like that's true and i feel like it was like wait was that a movie thing because you kind of now we end up when the case is like well there's the movie version of it there's the karmic version of it and then there's some blurring you know therein of both you know and and of course the animated versions of spider-man which have also have touched upon it so like like was that the original quote like yeah, yeah, it was, and uh, which is, you know, being a Spider-Man fan as, as Slot is would know, you know, so we wouldn't definitely misrepresent it. So it was kind of amusing that that got brought up in the beginning of it, but it also serves the story because yep. of that. So, but yeah, it was it was interesting. I'm like I'm curious as to where this is going to go, and like I said, we've kind of seen this happen before, but not in the hands of Slot. And so far, he hasn't really let us down. You know, <laughs> he's gave us some long cons before, but, you know. Yeah, um, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, that's but, accurate. But, but he's uh, but he's he's pretty much pulled it out or has done some, something uh, interesting with it. So we'll see how where it goes. That being said, wait, did you you said you didn't you did not read the edge of spider first book. No, 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 no. Okay. The one that's out this week? No, yeah. I did not. What was in it? I mean, we can talk. You you can talk about it in a, in a hot second. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll just put it up there since this is spider related. It's basically Spider Rex, the the dinosaur spider Spider Man, um, okay. for half of the book, and then the other half I thought was going into a Spider Man Noir situation, but it seemed like a spider horror thing going on. I'm not sure. I kind of skimmed that last that that uh, that, that last uh, book. Last part, but it looks like it was maybe Man Spider. Um, because as we know from from the last issue, pretty much the floodgates are back open for the Spider Verse, so any and everybody's pretty much back. Um, but yeah, like I said, I only skimmed that last one, but the way it seems, I was like, all right, we got some spider horror things going on. I think it was a Man Spider that was going mm-hmm. on. Um, oh, and also, and going back to Spider Man, the Spider Man Eight. The uh, apparently there was a Spider Verse thing that is still kind of that that um, Norman got um, got schooled about that he he now wishes he didn't ask about, which I yeah, thought right? was kind of funny. So, but yeah, Edge of Spider Verse was pretty much uh, Spider what Spider Rex and whatever that man Spider horror thing kind of horrorish thing going on with. And now, as I was saying, oh, and we get uh, a version of Spider Dino Venom also. Uh, And, of course, the 66 Spider-Man theme. So, there you go. You can read to see how all of that kind of comes together in that first story. Um, I kind of glossed over a lot of it, but it was a a lot of It was more puns you could shake a stick at. It, it, It had been a beginning of that joint. But, like I said, it was a decent read. Also, I forgot... Who wrote that story that makes a lot of sense? It's called a Pacheco. 
So, which I love her stuff. Yep. So that's not saying that, but it was like, okay, now, now I remember why there were so many puns. Uh, but it was Carla Pacheco and uh, art by Perry Perez and color artist uh, Antonio Fabello for that one. And the writer for the second one is Xander Cannon, who I don't know anything about. And Guillermo Sana uh, did the art and Rico Rizzi did the colors. And of course, as Agent 70 would like to say, our uh, lettery paisan VCs Joe Caramagna. There it is. And that's probably the first and only time you will hear me say something like Because <laughs> uh, I ain't trying to have nobody coming after me. Not that they would, but whatever. Right. Not for, yeah, that, 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 that's not. Not for that, yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly. All right. So we can go into a little bit of rapid fire because I only have one more book. So. Hit it. Here we go. I ain't got time to breathe. The only other book I read this week is Batman number 135, which is actually legacy numbered Batman number 900. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with pencils by Mike Hawthorne, Jorge Jimenez, and Mikael Janin. Inks by Adriano Di Benedetto, Jorge Jimenez, and Mikael Janin. Colors by Tomu More and Romulo Fajardo Jr. Uh, typo in my credits. And letters by Clayton Cowles. Uh, obviously not a VC because that is a Marvel gig. This is a DC gig. So this is a big anniversary for the Batman comic book. This is issue number 900. And it was this issue that made me understand why Zdarsky put Batman on this weird alternate universe slash time travel timeline adventure. Because it is an anniversary issue meant to show Batman, spoiler alert, interacting with various multiversal incarnations of Batman. This is like Batman, Edge of the Batman-verse. And I kid you not, it was very entertaining once that realization kind of hit me that that was Zdarsky's point of, you know, kind of putting Bruce Wayne into this alternate timeline. And, you know, as part of getting Batman home, he would in fact interact with various uh, multiversal variants of himself and his arch nemesis and other supporting characters. And we see some very, very prominent versions of Batman that we are very well acquainted with in the pages of this. And while we have, uh, you know, a, a, a resolution of this book that, you know, brings us to, you know, the present tense, mostly, there is kind of a cliffhanger ending at the end. So we'll see where the next issue of Batman takes us. And that's it for me. Alrighty. Buckle up folks. Cause, uh, yeah, we, 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 we here. All right. First up for me and I'll breeze through a lot of this actually Groot number four, no, excuse me, number one of four, uh, written by Dan Abnett, the one and only speaking of guardians of the galaxy. <laughs> um, art by Damien Cosero 
and Matt Mella. Letters by BC's Travis Lanham. So this is one of those untold stories from the past. And basically, uh, a young Groot meets up with the Kree. Um, and they have an adventure. He ends up going on an adventure with a young Marvel. Um, to what end? And at the end of this book, apparently we have a a person from well, we have someone that's apparently going to show up uh, that is from the same race as an OG Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, to what end? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. But it was, I don't know, I wanted to check this out just to see what was the deal. Obviously, you know, because of Guardians Volume 3 is out, they, they, I guess they had to do something, but I wasn't exactly expect. I wasn't expecting what I got, put it this way. So, that was the thing. Um... Uh, Avengers Across Time, excuse me, Avengers War Across Time, number th- uh, five of five, actually. There we go. Uh, written by Paul Levitz, art by Alan Davis, color artist uh, Rachelle Rosenberg, and letters by BC's Corey Pettit. So yeah, finally get Kang in this story that was supposed to be about Kang. Which who has been in there, but it was supposed to be the Avengers versus Kang, but they've been fighting everybody else but for but Kang up until this particular story. And this is set back in the early days of the beginning of the Avengers, like around issue eleven or yeah, around issue eleven ish, put it that way. And they had already um fought Kang or at least some Kang machinations prior to this. And here's another one that was long lost but came back. Uh, which, you know, get some resolution, but also not before the Avengers kind of uh, take their own early greatest hits tour through time um, uh, near the end of this book. So, because at first I thought they were going to do like uh, Jason Aaron did. It was like, nope, we're just going to get every Avengers ever, ever, um, you know, but now it wasn't quite like that. So, yeah. If you are a fan of those, hey, here's that lo- a long lost story that you didn't know that happened type situation, it, this is one of them. Scarlet Witch, number five. Um, bing. There we go. Uh, written by Steve Orlando, art by Russell Dodderman, color artist by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. So this pretty much wraps up that whole Scythia versus uh, Wanda thing over... Uh, Darcy, um, over over the life of Darcy thing. There's a basically a round two between those two first two characters I mentioned, uh, but it all kind of um, gets settled and dealt with uh, going into the next uh, arc, which seems like is going to um, uh, deal with another Wanda adjacent character who was also who might also be having a um, an MCU-facing uh, uh, show coming up at some point, whenever that happens. Uh, but also um, someone else who is um, uh, corresponding with said character, put it that way, at the end of this. So what's that going to intend? There's some story there. I think there's some news that might um, shed a little bit of light on some goings on later on in the news, so I won't go uh, with that. But yeah, this pretty much all wraps wraps that whole 
uh, current arc thing up with a nice little Bewitch reference by Darcy. So, you know, they got her, they got her right. Plus, oh, wait, it's not only that, but apparently somebody else at the end of this book shows back up from, um, from the mutant side, which you did not, would not expect to see. Uh, and that's going to be dealt with in the annual, the upcoming Spartan Scarlet Witch and Manual. Annual. So, who that might be, the the answer may or may not surprise you, although it would, given what we know about this character. Next up, a um, lot of books that that ended this week uh, that that I had on my plate. So I was kind of wanted to get a lot of stuff out of the way, and one of those is. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers slash Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, number 5. Uh, it's written by Ryan Parrott, Parrot, excuse me, illustrated by Dan Mora, colors by Raul Angulo, and letters by Ed Dukeshire. So, things have escalated. The, the Turtles are Rangers. The Rangers are mutated. You know, they're still fighting Rita and uh, Krang on different fronts. Krang had himself a, a Megazord, so they got other Megazords uh, to to fight to, to fight Krang. Shredder kind of got in the mix. I'm not going to spoil the whole thing, but basically it all gets wrapped up, but also um, sets up another crossover that is clearly going to happen uh, coming out of this. And someone would say, well, what would be the logical conclusion of uh, the, the, the Rangers and the Turtles fighting Rita? I think if you're a Power Rangers fan, you can see who may be up to bat next. Put it that way. Um, overall, I enjoyed the whole um, the, the old um, the, the whole crossover, and uh, but apparently there's going to do another one. And yeah, I don't know. There's it's, they're, they're just going to beat this horse to death, I guess. Um, next up is. Moon Knight, number 23, written by Jed McCoy, art by Alessandro Capuccio, color artist Rachel Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Moon Knight meets up with um, Eddie Brock's kid, or this, I think, again, because apparently they met previously. So it's a team up between uh, the current Venom and Moon Knight. That ends up um, tying back into the current goings on of Moon Knight. Uh, with what's going on there, because of course it does. So, um, while uh, Eddie Brock's uh, spawn <laughs> brings some trouble to the to the midnight mission, it was pretty well handled. So it was a nice little team up between both of them. Uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine: The Dog of War, number two of five, uh, which is. Yes, a fairly lengthy title I can recognize. Um, written by Mike Chen, art by Angel Hernandez, colors by Nick Filardi, and letters by Neil Uitake. Um So yeah, there's a cute little corgi that, that, that is on the station that just happened to be saddled with some Borg tech, or it came along with some Borg tech. I said the last time we talked about this book, there's some... I feel like this is some definitely hinting at some um, Cowboy Bebop-esque uh, shenanigans with this uh, dog. And um, at this point, hasn't presented itself, but I feel like it's still there some kind of way. But there are some, you know, the, but the station's kind of taking this dog in and, and 
uh, whatnot. But apparently there's, and on the other side of this, uh, this is being in the middle of the Dominion War. They're looking, they're, the, the, the Starfleet's kind of up against it, so they're looking for any kind of thing to give them an edge, and that's where the aforementioned Borg Tech comes in. And for anyone who may have watched Star Trek uh, Picard Season 3, this is going to sound kind of familiar, and that's all I'm going to say about the, the Borg Tech is going to sound very familiar, which ends up being um, some issue in that book. I mean, in that, in that, um, in that show and that pretty much, like I said, if you know, if you, if you know the season in the show, you know what I'm talking about. So this may even be something that's leading up to it, given the time frame of the door, but I don't know. There's, I still haven't gotten any clarification of whether this is in canon with the stuff that is, um, on TV or not. I think most of the stuff that are, they're putting out now is supposed to be not sure. Regardless, we'll find out. Star Wars number 34. This is a Star Wars block, folks, so buckle up. Um, there we go. Uh, written by Charles Sold, art by something Matterbeck. I didn't fill in that in. Uh, colors by Rachel Rosenberg and letters by uh, Clayton, VCs Clayton Cowles. Pardon me a moment, folks, because I need to actually get. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, what was the. Uh... I'll pull the book if you're still looking for it. Um, Star Wars. This is Darth Vader book, right? No, no, no. Just regular Star Wars. There we go. Matabek Musa Bekoff. That's why you didn't get it. Yeah, because I was like, yeah, this is not a familiar, uh, a familiar enough artist at this point. Yeah, Matabek Musa Bekoff. Okay. Um, there we go. Blacking so I can get my notes right. And like I said, Rachel Workensburg on Colors and Clayton and VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh, so yeah, after the events of that whole no space thing, uh, Luke's lightsaber is broke, so he needs to go and um, um, get a replacement. But you know, with his um, limited knowledge and uh, no one told him how to do that sort of thing, he doesn't have much to go on. But he, but he. Um, but he has a little something to go on in the fact that he knows he needs, he needs a new kyber crystal. So he kind of goes out um, and for that. And he runs into not on some trouble, but apparently Luke has Luke um, tends to pull some cuties. <laughs> I, I say jokingly, but at the same time, but he does meet up with somebody who apparently knows him and wants to help him, but he is uh, distrustful of this person because of the way they met. Let's put it that way. Um, and I guess rightly so, but the last time he met a, a similarly um, interesting character uh, was actually a while ago, but I can't remember what even if we even ever saw that character ever again. I don't know. But um, there was a, a scene prior before the thing, stuff like jumps out. They had gave me some really bad calamari flashbacks. Uh, and I say bad Carl Amari is in no good, but um, yeah, I don't, it, it, ugh, whatever. Uh, but apparently this character that he meets up with also has potential ties to, let's just say, the events of Rogue One uh, without going too far into it. So where that, where that takes the uh, look in this character, who knows? But we'll find out next, uh, next, um, next, um, Issue. 
Let's see, next up on the plate is Star Trek. Yo, excuse me, say that. I knew it was going to happen one time this, this show. Uh, Star Wars Yoda, number seven. Written by Mark Guggenheim. Matt Guggenheim is a different fellow. Um, I was about to say Mike Gargan. Look like I didn't put Matt Gargan. Matt Gargan. But um, art by Alessandro Miracolo. Color artist Annalisa Leone. And letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So this starts a new arc. Um, but it also starts off with whoever this force ghost is that I think we're supposed to know. Kind of still bugging Yoda about trying to get involved. Um, I, I still think I know who it is, but I'm not entirely sure if that's the case. But it leads into another flashback that I say is as I look at my notes. Um, I don't have an appropriate sound effects, but basically, um, <clears throat> oops, excuse me. The flashback turns into a more grievous time. You get it. Just, you don't even have to let it sit in. If you know enough about Star Wars, you got it. So yeah, this kind of flashes back to to that particular time frame and uh, Yoda going on a mission with Anakin and of course, the aforementioned uh, Grievous is involved and apparently, Mega Droids. But it's all leading up to something which we will talk about. Well, this in the next book, I think, is um, possibly starting to lead up to another event, but we will talk about that in the news that I don't remember uh, talking about previously. Next up, Star Wars Darth Vader and believe, we're, we're rounding the corner, folks. Trust me. Um, Greg Pox, the writer. Art by Adam Gorham. Colors by Federico Blee. And letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So, I'm just going to say three words. It's actually two, but you'll get what I'm about to say. Unlimited power kind of comes into play. <laughs> In a sense... Um, actually kind of, you know, more directly is said, but at the end of last issue, um, something happens and, uh, it caused Vader and the emperor to kind of have their powers amped up. Vader's kind of pretty much going out of control. I felt like if you read this in a certain way, he's going super Saiyan without the change of color or anything, yeah. but yeah, but uh, a, a thing called the force wave kind of happens, and I was like, I had to look this up because like I don't recall anything of like that ever happening in anything that I have had uh, any, you know, um, to thing to do with. So maybe it's a, a higher republic thing that I was not aware of. The only thing I could find out is some stuff that from stuff from various uh, Star Wars video games, and none of them played out the way this is presenting itself. Either way. Um, Vader's losing control of his powers. Sabe goes to try to help him for some reason, and th that's where the book goes from there. And it kind of ends up as a quote-unquote test at the end of this. Um, go figure. And like I said, this this is starting to lead up to a, an event. I'm not sure what this particular force wave thing has to do with that, but we'll we'll see. Uh, last of the Star Wars corner is. Star Wars Return of the Jedi Lando number one. 
Uh, it's written by Stephanie Phillips with art by Alvaro Lopez, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by BC's Travis, Travis Lanham. So if the title of the book tells you anything, it tells you where this is placed uh, or around where it's placed. And uh, from what I've seen, uh, from what I've read of this, it takes place before an upcoming issue of Star Wars uh, book. We're on Star Wars 34 this week. The This uh, particular book um, happens after Star Wars number 38, which hasn't come out yet because it doesn't come out till September. But it takes place before Return of the Jedi because if you ever wanted to know how... Um, Lando and Chewie got that plan together to um, to uh, hit up Jabba's palace. This will kind of give you the ideas of how that how that came about, mm-hmm. and that's all I need to say about that. Also, that Chewie's kind of fed up with Lando, <laughs> which, if you remember what happened in Emperor's Fight Strike, you understand why. Uh, last but not least, I actually read some DC Shazam. I should say Shazam, but I'm not. Mm. Number one, uh, written by Mark Wade, art by Dan Mora, colors by Alejandro uh, Sanchez, and letters by Troy Pateri. Not with BCU for this because it's a DV joint, uh, DC joint. So this was actually kind of a fun start. I've been wanting to read some of this Dawn of DC stuff, and this is kind of the ones I actually got around to doing. Well, I know I did read uh, Green Arrow after the fact uh, last week, but nevertheless. Uh, this was kind of a fun start. There is a kind of a recounting of um, Shazam's uh, origin story, but it, me not knowing th- a whole lot about it feels like the movie version of it, and there might be some playing around with that uh, in this, but I'm sure there are some DC head that, that would uh, know better that could tell me, or I could look it up myself at some point, but it seems more of the movie-focused uh, origin that we get here, but I could be possibly wrong. But nevertheless, it ends up with, um, it starts off with an encounter with some space dinosaurs, goes into the, um, the, the aforementioned origin of, um, of uh, Shazam and Billy Batson's, uh, you know, get, gaining the power and what he's kind of getting into. And they kind of touch on some stuff from, uh, or at least touch upon uh, Lazarus planet, which I did not read. And also kind of brings back a nod to the Captain Marvel moniker, uh, moniker in a way that's uh, interesting because I don't know if they actually ever had that hashed out or not um, but it kind of leads into the story that uh, Mark Waite wants to tell and uh, also has Billy sound like Black Adam at the end of it for some strange reason which I guess we'll get into in the next issue which I might actually I'm probably going to read um, but also Mr. Tawny's around so that's always a thumbs up <laughs> but uh yeah, it was a it was a pretty good read, and I uh, um I'm I'm kind of interested in seeing what the next issue is going to be uh, with this book. I'm not, not the biggest Shazam fan, but you know I've had my moments. And that, folks, is it for me. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. Benji Games 2 says TMNT and MMPR. Yes, please. Yeah, it was the the this crossover and that last crossover were pretty good. So guess what? You're gonna get more of it. <laughs> you are definitely gonna get more of it. <laughs> um so folks, clicks of the week. We got whoa. I almost hit the wrong thing. Uh we got one. Actually, we got slight two from Dirt. 
um, in a way, because I asked uh, if anyone had any free comic book day picks. Uh, and he chimed in with um, free comic book day, Conan the Barbarian book, which I did not know was a theme thing. And uh, that's from Titan comic books. I do not have the um, cover for that. So there ends that. But his other book was not that big of a surprise to either one of us. And that is Star Trek uh, DS9, The Dog of War, number two of five. You know, Dirt being the other uh, big DS9 fan in, on the panel, looks like it wasn't that big of a surprise. <laughs> so uh, do you have yours? Out of the, the, I only the, have two choices. I was about to so say, out I of the many I... books that you read. <laughs> I'm only I you know it's basically 50 50 mm-hmm. I think ultimately my choice is going to be Batman 900 aka Batman 135 because of one joke you know it's not the best anniversary style issue but it made me understand why Zdarsky decided to go in this direction over this previous story arc so I'm going to give that my click of the week yeah given what you and, and Dirt told me about that I was like yeah that was a good that was a good joke I appreciate that, even though I didn't read the book. Um, and I wasn't going to read the book anyway, so. Uh, for myself, uh, definitely it's DS9 booked, but I feel like that's kind of a, that's kind of one of a, slightly of a given. Um, but let's see, what is a good stuff? Like, the Scarlet Witch was actually pretty good. Spider-Man was interesting. Uh, for what that was, even though, like I said, kind of tread some of the stuff before, but um, MMPR uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 number 5 was also pretty good. And but I think I am going to go with um, hmm, some of that Star Wars stuff was actually good, you know, you have a lot to choose from, so I don't blame you. Yeah, it is like there was some like the 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 needle was kind of steady there through a course of a lot of this reading. So I was like, yeah, all right, this is this is a pretty good week, but also a heavy week. And I read some of the stuff, a lot of half of the stuff at different times. So I'm I'm going on fumes. Um, hmm. I am actually weirdly teetering um, and against what I was thinking uh, originally and to go with uh, sorry folks while I look up sure I use this one Star Wars Return of the Jedi Lando number one is what I'm is what I'm landing on no pun Oh no! Yeah, no, that was that was terrible. Um, it it was like I said, it was fun. Like I said, I read there was I wrote a lot of stuff this weekend. And a lot of it was actually pretty pretty good. Um, but I can't think of anything that stands out over anything else. So this pick is probably because I read it like a couple hours ago. That's probably why it's so forward facing. Um, so yeah, that. Oh wait. No, no, that's it. Because we didn't get anything from Tim. No, we nope. did not. So yeah, those are clicks of the week, and we're going to get into the news. But first, let's get an ad. 
Our first ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to toronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member and you can skip or cancel any time. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. So place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you. Go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we get into uh, cinematic news as we tend to do about this time. I'm just going to open up with one, this little bit um, that I just came across going back on the hyperbole that the Guardians of, of the Galaxy has been getting. I might not, may or may not put this uh, in the, the lineup though, but uh, Eternal Star says Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy is on par with Lord of the Rings. Let that let that sink in, folks. What? <laughs> yeah, it's not in the lineup. I just saw this on the side of the first story, but um, I, I'll probably put it in the, the the lineup later on. But the first actual story is one that Agent Seventy and I, I think actually I think I talked about last week. So we can breeze through this. New Transformers: uh, Rise of the Beast trailer has been released. That was last week. I talked about it, right. but I didn't. I don't think I put it in the actual. Uh, uh, news lineup last week. It's out there if you want to check it out. Uh, I don't think we're going on movie protocol for it, but I am more curious about this uh, movie, and I even ended up buying the damn box set of Transformers movies so I could watch it. Before I could watch the rest of those crazy stupid things. Wait, wait, when is the when is this movie out? Uh, June 9th. Oh, wow, it's a month away. Jeez. Mm-hmm. We already got a, as we're going to get to it near the end of the show, we already got, yeah, we got some stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, craziness. Next, next up, Chris Hemsworth leads a star studded animated prequel, Transformers 1. Uh, the Transformers franchise is returning to its animated roots with Transformers 1, and now we know who will be leading, or who will be lending their voice to the film. So this will be directed by Toy Story 4's Josh Cooley. Um, at CinemaCon 2023, uh, there was an announcement that um, this lineup will be led by Chris Hemsworth as young Optimus Prime, Brian Tyree Henry as young Megatron, and Scarlett Johansson as Alita. Wow. They're joined by Keegan-Michael Key as Bumblebee, John Hamm as Sentinel Prime, and Lawrence Fishburne as Alpha Trion. Okay. It's a star-studded cast, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. (laughs) See... You know what's funny about Prime not being the voice we all know and love? Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. his name is escaping me. Forgive me, folks. What is uh, his name? Peter Cullen. Yeah. Peter Cullen, right? Yeah. Peter Cullen. So I I want to give Hemsworth the benefit of the doubt because 
he has a you know that that different voice that he uses in Star Trek. True. You know, okay. there you know it's a neutral voice. It's not you know there there you know he, he doesn't carry that like Thor accent. Right. Yeah, it's not you know Thor. just like a right. mix of Aussie and 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 European. Right. So um I, I you know I'm I'm willing to give Hemsworth a shot at this. Uh in terms of Brian Tyree Henry as a young Megatron, I got to hear what his electronic voice sounds like. You know, like the kind of pseudo electronic voice, because yeah. that was the best part of the OG Megatron. Right. Will he be doing Paperboy from from uh, from Atlanta? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> just, right, right, just, right. Just right. just pitch down a little bit or something or whatever. I mean, you know, Brian Tyree Henry's got range, so we'll, we'll see if, if he can, you know, if we can, if he can pull it out. But yeah, and going back to what you said about Hemsworth uh, and Star Trek, he, he was pretty much blinking. You missed it, so you barely even heard what he what he sounded like in that movie. Well, I mean, he had a moment, put it that way. For right, right. Break. He had a couple. Of, he had a couple of lines that you right. could really kind of you know get the uh, the gist of his kind of neutral accent. Right. So, but you're you're right about that. That being said, so yeah, the rest of these folks, yeah, all right, that, that's a cast, I guess. Um, the, we didn't get a, a date, right? Yeah, we did. Uh, July 19th, July 19th, yeah. 2024. So that is a year out. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I'm probably going to watch it, but I don't know. I still don't know how I feel about it at this point. Anyway, um, Spider-Man across the spider verse to feature Andy Samberg. Apparently I had to look this up on IMDB. Cause the first of this seemed like, like, uh, cause when I read this it was basically saying that, um, Andy Samberg and Jorma, um, da, 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 whatever his last name is, uh, Jorma Tacome or Tacome, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Both, basically, if you know him from the Lonely Island, uh, they're both in uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And apparently they are both actually listed in, on IMDb. Uh, one of them has a, um, a character name attached to it, which I won't say. Uh, and the other doesn't. I'll let you find out who, who, which one is which, if you feel so inclined to do so. But basically, um, this was from the the Lonely Islands uh, Instagram point, part, uh, Instagram post, and uh, which says um, Jorm and Andy are quote unquote in this. Which again led me to believe that I was like, wait, are is this a goof or a gag? But apparently, there's there's something to it. Uh, it, it seems, or or less, IMDb is in on it. I don't know, but apparently, yeah, both uh, Andy Samberg is probably going to be in um, across the Spider Verse. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, you know what? He'd probably play the spot. Mm. I, I could see him playing the spot, but there's no, who knows? There's nothing saying who who is what. Next up, next up, Spider Man across Spider Verse seems to have too many Spideys to count in a new teaser. So, um, yeah, I have not watched this teaser. Uh, you know, we we both know we're going on movie protocol to go watch this, so we are not trying to uh, get too deep into these trailers because this movie swings into theaters June second. <laughs> Wow, that is literally less than a month away. Holy cow. Yes, sir. And I'm probably going to watch uh, Into the Spider-Verse again <laughs> right before. Yeah. Yeah, probably. 
Um, continue with the Spider-Verse news. Um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse confirms Metro Boomin cameo. I don't know too much about these young rappers slash producers slash whoever these folks are. Uh, but that is the name of some note to some some people. I've heard the name before, but I don't know too much. Do, don't too, don't know too much about this stuff. But apparently, he's got a cameo in the movie. Okay, next up. Apparently, earlier this year, Mila Kunis, the actress, was spotted having lunch with WandaVision helmer Matt Shackman shortly after the filmmaker was named director of Marvel's Fantastic Four reboot. So because the film is being actively developed at Marvel Studios, fans quickly start to speculate as to the actor's involvement in the film. So uh, basically, the uh, I was at the last episode of The Late Late Show with James Corden. Uh, Mila Kunis was on and she basically said um, she basically said that you know uh, she went out to a deli and had lunch with Matt Shackman and somehow the next day she was in Fantastic Four she's not but she knows who is (laughs) (laughs) and she does not want to get in trouble with the mouse so none of us are going to find out right also, you just reminded me I need to pull that uh, Madison soundbite back up for some reason. For, for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. I need to do the same. Next up, though, uh, getting back into the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. This is going to be some slight spoiler stuff, and some of this is probably going to be skipped, but it's in the show notes if you want to check it out. Uh, James Gunn reveals the one song he could not, they, that he could not secure the rights to. So, this is less on the spoiler side. The song is called Russian Roulette by Lords of the New Church, which as I told uh, Agent 70 prior to the show, I'm not familiar with who that is. But I, like I said, or like we both said, Gun's capable of some real deep cuts <laughs> musically. So, but apparently um, there's a, there's a um, James Gunn tweet as he tends to do. He says, uh, over the three months I've gotten every song I've written into the script sometimes after much blood and toilet to acquire the rights however for, for the first time on volume three we didn't get the rights to a song and that was the aforementioned uh, song it was tied up in legal battles which tends to be the case because I guess yeah it looks like someone asked uh, asked them on Twitter what they couldn't get so there you go folks next up so next up, this is spoilers. I'm not going to spoil it, but I will dance in between the raindrops and not spoil hmm. it. So bottom line is there is an instance of Groot saying I am Groot, but that's not what we hear. Exactly. And that is the kicker, and it is confirmed by, by Gunn, and a lot of us were trying to figure this one out i listened to another podcast and this was a theory they theory they posited and i tended to agree and it's interesting that gun came out and confirmed it right right because when that part came up i was like wait what (laughs) yeah yeah exactly exactly and part of it was there was there was in fact a long running gag through the movie i thought that was so well played oh i know what you're talking about yes 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 Right, involving Groot and a certain character who originally had gotten used to it, but this version, not so much. Right. 
Which actually brings me back to something I was going to say earlier, um, actually, because that other character that you just mentioned, I could have sworn was being played by someone totally different than the original person who plays that character. At least from what the way they looked in this movie. It, it probably is that, that person. But I was like, where does this person look so much different? And it's not even the, 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 the makeup. Like, mm-hmm. the, the, it doesn't even look like this person playing the character that they've been playing for the last couple of movies. But I think it is actually them. It's just that. Yeah, it's it them. It's weird. probably just like the five will get you ten. It, it was it was intentional to kind of show how it's a different version, right? You know, subtle touches, yeah. subtle subtle touches. Well, so. it was subtle enough to where it was like I, that doesn't look anything like this person. <laughs> <laughs> so it it got me. It worked anyway. Um, and some, wait, this guy had a what? Yeah. So I'm going to take these next extra the next two, if you don't mind. Sure, go ahead. So, uh, yeah, Pete Davidson was, uh, spoiler alert, Pete Davidson, Davidson was apparently Guardians of the Galaxy in a cameo. I uh, missed it. I totally did, too. Um, as a matter of fact, I can't even think of the, the, the character, what this character he played looks like. Or maybe it might have been a voice, but I don't know. And I don't care for Pete Davidson, none at all, so I wouldn't be looking for him in anything. Bad enough, I've seen the the the, the commercials I keep seeing on Twitch, the, the Taco Bell commercials. But yeah, apparently Pete Davidson was in it because he just so happened to be on set, uh, chilling, and, and got into the movie. Uh, and the next of, uh, hey, if you ever wanted to know about all of the cameos and guest stars in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, the Nerdist has got you covered. And this is not me shielding for Nerdist; just saying there's the um, there's an article somebody wrote up. Oh, so that's who gets shot. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. So some of you missed. Some you. Some were probably obvious. Some of you missed. It's. I think it's probably all there. I hadn't actually looked at the whole article yet, but I, I think Agent Seventy probably is looking at it right now. Yeah, I'm scrolling through. I was like, oh. Yeah, I don't want to scroll too much just in case people don't want to be. But the first one that you can see that that was probably that one was a known. No quantity. Yeah, I was trying to figure out where Hawkeye's wife was, and now I see. Oh uh, yeah, now that one I, I, I didn't see it. When I saw the credits, I saw. Oh, huh? Yeah, I was like, wait, how is she there. coming in? <laughs> right. Because I thought I was like, wait, the voice sounds familiar, but at the same time, like I, I couldn't place it. And then I saw the name in the credits. I'm like, oh. Oh. So I was like, huh? Because I yeah, oh. like, so I spent the oh, whole movie. And, and 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 she plays a pivotal role in the movie too. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, she does. Because I was like, what is this voice? I know this voice. And, oh, there you go. Oh. Now I want to cry. Aww. Yeah. Too bad she didn't get any actual FaceTime because, hey, just, just, just. Yeah. Saying. It's like, oh. But nevertheless, yeah, the, the character and the portrayal and everything. And, yeah. Anywho, keep, keep it pushing. Yeah. I'm so, oh, <laughs> seriously? That's the character Pete Davidson played? <laughs> All kind of revelations coming out right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yo! Actually, now I'm gonna put this over to the side and <laughs> check this Yo! out. Yo, that was wild. Okay. Yep. No one. I got it. I got. I got to forward that one over to 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 my buddy, uh, oh. uh, Boss Jones. 
Okay, yeah. Uh, the, third, the third one was a known quantity, uh, not known quantity, but I could definitely tell that voice. But also, I saw that character and I was like, this is a Doctor Who character. Why do they have a Doctor Who, Who character in this movie? But it wasn't. So, anywho. That's too funny. All right. So, uh, in unfortunate news, Blade is the first Marvel movie affected by the Writers Guild of America strike, which uh, effectively shuts down all of uh, uh, the scripted TV and movies that uh, and, and films that are in production right now. Oh, that's who he was. I saw his name in the. Okay, I'm looking. I'm looking at the article. Also, I saw. I saw because I saw the name in the credits uh, on the movie. I was like, I didn't see him or hear him pop up anywhere. And but even though I did see him, and which was a bad portrayal. Anyway, they didn't give him enough. Talking about Pete Davidson? No, uh, uh, Michael Rosenbaum. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I knew he was there. As soon as I saw him, I was like, I know him. I know who's playing that. Well, character I, yeah, I wasn't really paying attention to the the face because I also, you know, Lex Luthor. But I, I, I feel like I can I can hear the voice more than it. But they didn't really give him much to go on, so that's why I couldn't really tell. No, him yeah, but no, but it's also his second appearance. Right, he was I know, yeah, because he was. So in, as soon as know. I saw the character, I was like, oh, he's back. So. Right. Also, this is a not a great version of Martin X. The way they did it, that was the other reason. I was like, "Come on, man! Not enough OG, OG uh, Guardian." Anyway, but yeah, the whole Blade being affected by the strikes that are going on is is a bad is is a bad thing. However, you can take this next one since it's related. Sure, Marvel's Thunderbolts Deadpool three will reportedly start filming despite the WGA strike because I guess they have scripts in the can. Yeah. So, yeah. So the strike just started. the 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 writer strike just started uh, a couple of days before this uh, this this before we were recording. Actually, I think I think the day the movie came out. I think it might have been the or the day before the movie came out on Thursday. Uh, it happened. But yeah, apparently this is not the only one that, that got affected or kind of went through, as we will find out. Uh, X-Men 97 boss confirms which characters are the series' leads. So, yeah, we know that X-Men 97, uh, the X-Men 95 continuation is still happening. And apparently Cyclops and Storm are the two main characters, which led me to say, wait, were they not originally? <laughs> yeah, right? Because they clearly had a lot of screen time in, in, in 95 in, in the first one. So, but apparently this came from the uh, head writer and executive producer Bo DeMeo, who addressed a report that the show will continue to will continue the stories of Jean Grey, Cyclops, Rogue, and Gambit after the departure of Charles Xavier. Uh, which also, every time I hear Charles Xavier, every other time I hear Charles Xavier now, I think about uh, the 80s Spider-Man when the Juggernaut was after him. Like, I'm coming for you, Charles Xavier! That's 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 always in my head, and I can't get it out for no reason. And yeah, as Benji Games Two says, Blade just can't keep going. Yeah, that that movie's been plagued with with things here and there, so it, it's a bad bit of business. But hopefully, it'll something turns out with that movie because I'd like to see it. Next up, sorry, I'm literally forwarding that that uh, that link with the uh, all of the. Uh, the cameos in Guardians 3. Oh, no, I got it. Yeah, I got it. Oh, you're forwarding to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, it's forwarding it to somebody. The I Mandalorian Season 3 <laughs> finale beat Season 2's in views, according, apparently according to Disney+. Plus. So, no, actually, statistics released by Samba TV, 
via Inside the Magic Reveal that 1.4 million unique viewers streamed Star Wars uh, uh, The Mandalorian Season 3's finale, Chapter 24 The Return, over the course of five days, higher than the 1.1 million unique viewers that did so for the Season 2 finale. Uh, I have problems with that inside the magic site, but at the same time, not surprised by this, this, um, yeah, this news at all. So we don't need to go into my issues with, with, with that site. Uh, John Favreau talks about the upcoming series, Skeleton Crew, how, and how it will fit into the Star Wars aesthetic. So yeah, we don't know too much about the Skeleton Crew show, but we apparently hear, we get a little uh, soundbite from, uh, not a soundbite, but we get Favreau's talking about it a little bit. And basically says that the uh, Star Wars skeleton crew will tell the adventure of four kids seeking to find their way home in the big bad galaxy, which almost sounds like Star Trek Prodigy, uh, which is a show that is out right now. You can watch. Uh, information on the story show is scarce, but at this point, at this point, but footage shown to attendees at Star Wars Celebration in April, it glanced a force using Jude Law as what appeared to be a Jedi or Jedi, according to this article. So, and it looks like it possibly takes place in the same post uh, return to the Jedi time frame as the Mandalorian Ahsoka and the book of Boba Fett with characters from those shows expected to meet up in an uh, upcoming film. Yeah. That's the Filoni thing that's coming that we know that is coming. So I guess they they are going to do the, um, this is the uh the this the uh adventures assembled for star wars thing so next up so despite uh, the wga officially going on strike apparently according to variety the second season of star wars andor is expected to to resume production despite the writer strike so um Scripts were locked already before the strike. Sources say that Tony Gilroy is still working as producer on specific non-writing elements like casting and scoring for the Disney Plus show. Okay. Right. Um, <clears throat> Raiders of the Lost Ark whips back into theaters before Indiana Jones 5. So apparently, um, Fathom Events announced that um, actually it looks like all of the movies are coming back. Um, it's on June... Uh, 4th and June 7th uh, fandom events fathom me, events that uh, they're going to put the put the movies back in the, the the theaters actually wait hold on a second we're released over three weeks after okay I thought all of them were coming back but maybe it is just the original Raiders because I thought they were going to do what they were, they were doing one of those things like, hey, we're going to play all the movies in a marathon type situation leading up to uh, the Dial of Destiny. But it doesn't seem like that is the case. Or from, at least from what I'm seeing in this article. And this kind of actually have had me thinking about it for like five seconds. Like I own all of those movies. But I wouldn't mind seeing uh, um, Temp- uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in the theaters one more time. So it's kind of yeah. got me thinking about it. The new movie, I'm not still, still not too sure about, but you know, <laughs> but uh, definitely seeing Raiders in, in the theaters again would be would be cool, just like it did originally. Next up. 
Uh, Palm Clementiev has already talked to James Gunn to play a specific DC character. I feel like we've already talked about this because this is like an older article from April 27th. Uh, I brought it up to you, but we didn't. I don't think we did. It oh, okay. Show. I yeah. thought we. I thought we talked about. It. No, so yeah, we, we definitely. I definitely told you about it last week after the show. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, bottom line is, Variety asked Palm what uh, you know what her future plans are, and she's already come out and said she's not going to tell you guys, but she's had conversations with James Gunn already. Nothing's confirmed yet, though. There is a specific character she wants, but she can't save it. Yeah, I don't think DC has the level of well, guns in, in charge, so probably less matters. But I don't think DC has the same level of snipers as, as um, Marvel does. But it's good that she can keep a secret. Right, right. Good for her. Yeah. Plus, who wouldn't want to look at Palm Clementeeth in uh, again? In, there you in go. Compa- capacity. So there you go. Um, speaking of uh, the DC corner of the universe, um. James Gunn's Superman Legacy uh, script, the first draft, I'm, and I'm saying that for purposely, was completed days before the writer's strike. So the the and the reason why I, I even have this in the lineup is because for some strange reason, Superman Legacy popped up on Fandango, and I was like, wait. Is that something different, or was that James Gunn stuff? And this is that James Gunn written and directed movie that's coming out in a couple of years. Um, and that's where I ended up finding this uh, this here article. But yeah, apparently uh, James uh, James Gunn wrote his first draft and turned it in before the writer strike. Now, again, I'm uh, this is according to a report uh, from the Wrap. Also, I'm reiterating the fact that it's the first draft is because. There aren't too many movies that get actually made off of a first draft. Uh, movies tend to go through rewrites and stuff. I think somebody talked about one movie that actually was made off of a first draft, and that movie wasn't great, and I can't remember what it was. So I, I can't even uh, I can't even talk about whatever it was. But being that one, uh, James Gunn is the writer of the movie and also the head of DC. I'm pretty sure he's not worried about the the ongoing writer strike. Um, with whatever he's going to do with this movie that's going to come out in two in two plus years, hopefully after well after the writer strike is over anyway, you know, and hopefully the 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 folks in the writer strike get what they're what they're striking about because writers are necessary. Um, anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong. And yeah, we're I'm gonna not get sure another where, round of um, yeah. huh. I was about to say, where would, where on earth would anyone find the gall to say that the writers are unnecessary? Oh, there are people who would. And the people that probably are trying to get stuff made and using AI to do stuff would also say that kind of stuff. You know, the people that are who stand to make the most money who don't value the writers and the reason right. why folks are, are, are striking would probably be those people. Unbelievable. Probably, I say like I don't. I, I'm you know, just spitballing on that one, but I, I can't say that. I'd probably be too far off. But right. nevertheless, like I said, first draft. So it, this is kind of a non-issue because, like I said, the movie's not coming out for, until twenty twenty-five. So anything can happen between now and then. Um, least of all him continuing to write on that movie that he's he's directing. So, um, next up. 
All right. So this past Thursday, DC and Warner Brothers Animation, that is. DC and Warner Brothers uh, Discovery Home Entertainment announced the cast for the next DC animated film, Justice League War World. Um, that is going to be out later this summer. The cast of Justice League War World will be led by Jensen Ackles as Batman slash Officer Wayne. Stan Akadic, or is, I'm not sure if that's how I, I, it's I'm supposed sure. to be pronounced. It's the lady from, um, uh, whatchamacallit. Uh, oh my God, I can't remember the show. But... Um, as Wonder Woman, Diana Prince, and Darren Chris as Superman, Agent Kent. The cast also includes Ike Amadi as Martian Manhunter, John Jones, Troy Baker as Jonah Hex, Matt Bomer as Old Man, Roger C. Cross as Machiste, Brett Dalton as Batlash. Well, there's a lot of people, but I'm not going to keep going. But there's a lot of folks in this dude in this thing. Yeah, some names you know, some some you you may be familiar with from from other places. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. This I've been kind of lax on DC, uh, DC animated stuff, but they have also been, haven't been putting them out as frequently as they used to. So, right. Um, actually, I need to go back. I need to watch that um, that John Stewart one because that was the last one I bought. Um, and I'm stalling because I'm trying to get the stupid. Ad. There we go. Batman Cape Crusader drops a dark first look at the hero's design. Hey folks, that thing is still going on. Uh, out of everything that got canceled, that uh, that is still going. So yeah, at a recent presentation, Amazon showcased three Batman shows currently in the works. One of those shows was Batman Cape Crusader. Unlike the previously released uh, poster, mainly featuring the cow, the new image shows both the cow and the suit beneath. Um. Well, this is not really... So, if you're watching the video version, you can see the somebody's Twitter account who has a presumably a picture from the the, uh, the thing. Uh, or a couple of pictures from the, from the thing. You can see some pictures of it. So, yeah. It still doesn't really give you a whole, whole lot more to go on than what we've had previously about any of those projects. But, I guess it's, it's more pictures. Psst. Or at least a, a more picture or two. Something for folks to write on. Next up. So if you didn't think we needed to kill, dismember, burn, and bury the Snyderverse. If you didn't think we needed to do that, here's some more proof. Speaking at the Full Circle event, where Snyder's previous DCEU films were screened for attending fans, Zack Snyder said, quote via Twitter, that the Greek god Zeus was going to possibly be a Kryptonian in his cinematic universe. Wonder Woman uh, revealed that the titular hero played by Gal Gadot is the daughter of Zeus, and Snyder suggested her powers would have been a result of her being part Kryptonian. Nope. Why? Ooh, I'm dying! It's a trap. Boy, I'm too old for this shit. Seriously? Yep. And that's why the 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 Snyder folks, Snyder reverse folks, just need to be smacked repeatedly, and go and starting from Snyder. the top. Go away, Snyderverse. Thank you. Right, and that was the only reason why why I put this in here because I was like, I don't want to give any kind of shine to Zack Snyder or anyone who 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 loves the, those, you know, his does his edition. Enough of it, okay. Right. All right, next up. That was dumb. <laughs> But the one thing it had me doing was looking up the the um, the, the Wonder Woman uh, pilot that never got that never got off the ground with uh, Adrian Palicki that David David yeah yeah, did. yeah 
Actually, yeah. I'd be looking that up for some stupid reason. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Green Arrow, Stephen Amell didn't want his return in the Flash, uh, didn't want his return in the Flash finale. Basically, long story short, um, he basically didn't want the Flash's finale to be about him. That's why he was, wasn't trying to, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't, didn't want his return to, um, to upstage the Flash's finale. That's why he came in. That's why his coming in back into the, the, um, well, the Arrowverse, the, the CWverse, whatever it's called nowadays, was where it was. So, and spoiler alert for Flash season nine, I guess. I have no idea. I'm not a, a nut up on it, but I'll get to it at some point. Next up. So, if you are a fan of Babylon Five, guess what? Babylon Five will return as an animated movie from its original creator. It's finished and coming soon, apparently. Mm-hmm. So J. Michael Straczynski announced that it's an animated feature-length film. Uh, that is, it's basically a reboot of Babylon Five, developed by Warner Brothers Animation, and the movie is classic Babylon Five with a raucous, heartfelt story. Uh, going on to suggest that the cartoon feature is the most Babylon Five-ish project since the original series bowed out in 1998. Okay. Yeah, Straczynski's been is all over. Twitter, you know, and people ask him stuff, you know, back and forth each day, and a lot of stuff that comes up is about Babylon Five and the, you know, the 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 behind the scenes stuff and whatnot. So he says what he says, and and of course people still want some more Babylon Five, but I think even as he said, like yeah, they wouldn't be able to. It's one hard to get off the ground, and two wouldn't be able to get a lot of people back for that because for certain reasons, including I think a few couple of people not being around anymore. Sure. So this is, and uh, and I think this might have been talked up the, them going animated at some point in the past. So I don't know. Like I said, do do tweets a lot. <laughs> um, and Babylon Five is one of those shows you may be surprised to know I have not watched, and I watch and I've watched a good amount of sci-fi shows, but you know this is one that I'm probably going to get to at some point. Anywho, um, you know what I was. To hold that thought. Okay. No surprise. I have not seen it either. Yeah. <laughs> no surprise there at all. No surprise. <laughs> uh, new Star Trek short sees Spock visiting Kirk's grave and Starfleet retrieving the Enterprise D. You want to know why that's significant? You well, maybe watch um, uh, Star Trek Picard season three. Uh, but apparently, this. And you want to know how something like that was even possible, uh, given that, you know, uh, Leonard Nimoy is no longer with us. Well, uh, it is, uh, I believe it is a digital rendition of uh, Spock. Yep, digitally recreated likeness of Leonard Nimoy um, that they used. And at first I was like, wait, is this some fan, fan short? Uh, and it probably still could be, but is, is, according to the article, it does not come directly from Paramount, but rather the Gene Roddenberry estate uh, uh, and Otoy, who created it for the new Roddenberry Archives website, where uh, fans can virtually tour the bridge of the Enterprise as it appeared throughout Star Trek's history and more. So it, it is legit-ish. So that being said, I've not watched this short yet, but I'm like, huh. Uh, and the other reason why I mentioned Star Trek Picard was because, well, 
kind of slight spoiler for Star Trek Picard Season 3, there's an Easter egg in there that the showrunner Terry Metalis put in that has to do with um, what this article's talking about. Put it that way. Next up. All right, spoiler alert for uh, the ending of, uh, or the entirety and the ending of Picard Season 3. Uh, Will Wheaton explains, uh, quote-unquote, why Wesley can't interact with a certain group of people on the show. And I won't spoil it, but take a look at this article. It makes some sense. Yeah, um, I, I had a theory that... Uh... Yeah, that that Wesley was going to come back at the end of this, um, and that didn't happen. And yeah, just makes makes some sort of sense as to why that didn't happen. Uh, but they're using something that I didn't think was actually canon. Um, but since Will Wheaton wrote it, I guess sure, why not? Anywho, um, hey folks, can you uh, are you uh, a fan of Carl Urban? You think he can do no wrong? Well, guess what? You're probably going to get him as Johnny Cage in the next Mortal Kombat movie. Isn't he a little old? Uh, I think probably where they're going with this movie, I don't think it matters. Okay. I don't think he's going to actually fight. I mean, if he does, I mean, look, he might be able to, you know. I don't know if there's any Johnny Cage mains around here, but let's face it, it was not like he was like the best one out of that camp in the first place. That's true. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. So, so I guess this is, so this was actually kind of rumored and report at first, but because according to this article, they're in final talks for him to play Cage. So as it, at the time of this article came out, they were still kind of talking about it. And this was, of course, um, come from some rumor site anyway so you gotta take it with the the grains of salt that you need it to um but it also says here that a tweet from Mortal Kombat movie producer Todd Garner appears to all but confirm that casting choice so go figure I mean I like Carl Urban he's pretty much made his rounds in in current pop culture I, I can't think of a thing that he hasn't been in yet wait has he been in yeah in where Star Wars? I think he has. Star Wars? Yeah. He's been in Star Trek. He's been I mean, in Marvel. He's mm-hmm. been in The Boys. Mm-hmm. So he's, I think I he's probably done some DC stuff animated, but I'm not sure, you know. Right. I'm not sure about Star Wars. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I had to go back and check. Regardless, making his ways around. And obviously he was in Lord of the Rings. Hey, well, yes, exactly. So they, that, which, you know, cements uh, what I was saying. Right. Um... So yeah, well, I don't know. We'll see if this actually happens, but I don't know. That first one was okay-ish. They can't do any worse, I guess, than to add him to the film. Hopefully they got something for him to do. Uh, but we're going to turn swiftly into the anime corner. All right, first up, Bleach Executive teases the return of Thousand Year Blood War. So, uh, you know, it may be on hiatus for a little bit, but don't let its absence fool you. It will not be long before the team at Studio Piero brings the show back for another round. This year will mark the start of Bleach's next core, and one of the show's producers is now teasing what we can expect from the action-packed comeback. Okay. Yeah. 
uh, Benji Game Sue says he watched. What led you to watching Mortal Kombat last night? <laughs> Not judging, you're just saying. But um, he said it was okay. I'm like, yeah, I haven't gone back to the movie since 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 uh, since I first watched it, and I was like, oh, oh they they could have done so much better with a lot of right. that movie. Um, right. uh, let me just add very quickly to the story. Studio Piero has confirmed the anime uh, Thousand Year Blood War for Bleach will begin in July 2023. Yeah, I still haven't um, dealt with the first talk. Um, and apparently, yeah, this also says that, um, all right, Jujutsu Kaisen is this fall. I'm about to say, it was like, yeah, Jujutsu Kaisen season two is coming this, this summer. It is not. Um, in lights, Afro anime film in Finda, I hope I'm pr- pr- pronouncing that right. Probably not. Reveals more staff and the preview at, uh, Annecy. So multimedia company in light, who I've never heard of announced, uh, on Friday that it will unveil an in-depth look, first look at, uh, and find a, uh, Afrime or Afro anime. Um, actually this is a, a couple of weeks. This is like a whole week or so old. So let's see. The company also revealed that Mappa's, uh, Masu, Maseo Maruyama is producing the, the, the movie, and um, Gisaburo Sugi uh, is directing the is directing. So G Kids, who I've also never heard of, the U.S. animation producer and distributor, is a partner. So this article kind of goes on into the the story of what Mbinda is, which is about a young girl who's transported into the past, and she meets another girl, and they must venture to confront evil. You know that old trope, but. Sounds interesting. I might check it out. Excuse me. Uh, next up, we're going into the uh, manga corner. Gundam gets Gundam Werewolf UC spinoff manga. So the June issue of Karakoa Kara. Kadokawa's Gundam Ace magazine revealed on April 26th that the Gundam franchise will have a new spin-off manga set in the original Universal Century timeline titled Mobile Suit Gundam Werewolf, Kido Senshi Gundam Werewolf. The manga will debut in the magazine's next issue. Okay. Still haven't seen uh, Witch of Mercury yet, but I'm hearing good things. Um... Benji Game Sue said he was waiting for the NBA playoff game to start, so MK was a time killer. Gotcha. Juji <laughs> um, Ito's personal horror story is manga artists being replaced by AI. Which, I mean, honestly, that's a real fear these days. Yeah. Yep. Um, says here that um, as detailed on Otaku USA Magazine, uh, Ito recently discussed how the modern generation is deeply bothered by the psychopathic side of humanity. In his view, this version may cause future audiences to want only AI-produced manga. Quote, unlike the old days, there is a word, Hitokawa, unmasking, um, Ito explained. In a s- sense that people are afraid of the psychopathic side of humans. I feel this t- tendency is stronger than it used to be. However, it does not categorize or verbalize fear, so there are things that I do not understand well. If I can analyze these parts, uh, I can incorporate these tendencies into my work and create something that sells. So, yeah, as we've said earlier with the writer strike, yeah, like I said, that, that is a real enough fear for 
voice artists, writers, you know, across the board. And people are stupid enough to continue to use the AI. Stop it. That's how we got uh, Skynet. Stop, folks. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Yeah, I honestly, you know what? I keep thinking that's got to be the bad joke that Skynet is the result of all of this AI nonsense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we seem to continue to hurtle into that direction. Yeah, look at look real plausible, isn't it? <laughs> you know? So, you know, it'll gain sentience and then, you know, hopefully we don't have a complete uh, uh, meltdown. So anyway. Yeah. uh, We're past the date that I was supposed to to actually happen in the movies. And um, um, what's his face is still alive, thankfully. So we we have that. What's his face? Um, uh, Shoot. I'm. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Um, hold on a second. I mean, the scientist, Joe Morton. Yeah, this the scientist. I couldn't yeah. remember his the actor's name. Yeah, that's who I was looking for because I, I was like, I knew Dice, but I couldn't remember the actor's name. And Joe Morton is a legend, so you know. Don't, don't yeah, I was about to say Dyson was about to hit my tongue, but I'm like the scientist, and I was right. like searching for the scientist's name. Right. Uh, Street Fighter Six. Street Fighter. Oh no, Six. I got this one. I got oh, I'm sorry. This one. Okay. All right, Street Fighter Six comics get new details from Udon and not the noodles. So Street Fighter Six is still over a month away, but fans of Capcom's fighting game franchise can get a taste of the story a little bit early. Publisher Udon will be releasing comics based on the game, the first of which will be dropping, which dropped actually on Free mm-hmm. Comic Book Day. Yeah, and I read uh, this book. Uh, and uh, the first issue of the series drops on May twenty fourth. Yeah. And we don't get Udon comic book that that easily, so I might have to go through other means to to, to check those out. Um, but yeah, I checked out the free comic book uh, they book for Street Fighter Six because I'm, I'm uh, anticipating the the, uh, the the video game that is coming out. Um, and uh, interesting, to, to say the least, I will say. Uh, come on. Legendary. I, I was going to um, send this to Agent 70, but I figured like he probably would have seen this already. But Legendary X-Men writers explain what sets the team apart from other heroes. So basically, this is, this is from Marvel Unlimited's uh, X-Men 60 uh, Uncanny Live Years Virtual Event. And mm-hmm. um, Chris Claremont... Louise and Walt Simonson were um, were uh, virtually interviewed by some dude whose name escapes me uh, about uh, what the X Men and uh, you know and uh, their time with the books meant you know felt for them. Uh, I watched this video, which was that was going to lead me to send it to Agent Seventy, but like I said, I figured I assumed you would have would have already seen it. But there was no, I haven't. But you know, I'm glad to uh, take a look at this because at the end of the day, these are characters that I know and love. You know, like very close to me and my fandom. Right. So I will slightly spoil a little bit on it um, in saying that Claremont was asked uh, a question um, that pretty much had to do with events. And I, I loved his uh, his answer about it, and I would have liked to have heard um, uh, Wheezy and Walt's answer to it. But he was the only one that got to answer about it. But basically, he was like, yeah, events were good to do, but then, you know, they started to, pro- to proliferate. 
and he kind of goes on from from there. That's that's enough I'll say about it. So he pretty much said what other writers that I have heard of said about events being the thing that people go to now a days. Right. And like I said, I would have liked to have heard uh, Louise and, and Walt's thoughts on it, but they but they but they cut him off for some stupid um, other other questions from people. But yeah, it's a good video. You should check it out. The uh, um, you know, like I said, Claremont and the Simonsons was a, it was a it was a good time. Uh, next up, though, uh, you can get a free sneak peek at Insomniac Spider-Man Two on Free Comic Book Day. So the comic published is a prequel to Marvel's Spider-Man Two. Okay. Yeah, so if you went out for uh, Free Comic Book Day, hopefully you probably already got this, um, or you're like us, probably catch them later when when the digital stuff gets, uh, Marvel puts their digital stuff out there. This is probably the book I would have wanted to actually get uh, if I had gone to, uh, if I had made it out to Free Comic Book Day. (laughs) Excuse me. But yeah, that's but that's out there. I'm sure it'll be digital. We'll let y'all folks know when they uh, are available digitally. But uh, Marvel announces Spider-Man number eight and Edge of Spider-Man number one, Edge of Spider-Verse number one's second printings. So they're getting put back out. And uh, to further that point, uh, Slot was out there basically saying, bless you. Uh, he was pretty much saying that FOC for um, uh, Spider-Man number nine is coming and kind of mentioned the fact that, yeah, Spider-Man 8 and Edge of Spider-Verse uh, number one got second princess printing, so you might want to jump on, uh, you know, ordering um, <laughs> Spider-Man 9. So, which I was like, okay, Spider-Man 8 was good, but I didn't think, like, did it sell that well to, to for, forget it to get a second printing? I guess so. And as far as Edge of Spider-Verse is concerned, okay, sure. You got me. Yeah. I mean, like I said, what I read is that Edge of, Edge of Spider-Verse book was all right, and it was definitely a lot of punny, but I don't know if it was second printing worth of it. So, no no disrespect to Carla Pacheco, because I love her stuff. But, so, anyway, next up. All right, so this is a little bit of hyperbole, uh, but apparently Miles is getting a new costume. Miles Morales is getting a new costume in, uh, uh, as the result of a variant cover for the new Hellfire Gala event. So I guess Miles is going to the new Hellfire Gala? Right. Which uh, made me think about the last one. I was like, wait, wasn't he at the last one? But I was like, no, that was Peter. So. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it's better than the other actual suit he had. Well, yeah, the sportswear inspired one. Yeah, yeah, that's not cool. But also, this is for the gala, so it is also... It always kills me when they, um, and I know this is a thing, but they got him in sneakers, and he's hanging upside down, and I know that's not how his powers work. He has more Peters, but I it's like every time I see them do that, it just, I don't know, it 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 sparks something in me. I don't know why. I need help. Come on, man, come up with a no prize and submit it. I know, right? <laughs> it's like, do they do that? Come up Actually, with a I no kind of had something on it, but I uh, I kind of had something on that, and, it, and I don't know if it would be justified, but I, it can be the case can be made, but it still doesn't make any sense. I was like, no, they, no. Anyway, I'm a, I'm gonna let that go. Next, Next up, um, oh, come on, there we go. 
Ultimate awesome Iron Man returns. Doctor Doom gets a new code name in Ultimate Invasion. So um, apparently, the CBR got a look at Marvel's Ultimate Invasion number three, um, which teases the return of Earth 1610's Iron Man and gives, uh, like I said, Doctor Doom a new unexpected code name. Uh, let's see, Ultimate Invasion number three is going to come out in August 23. This is that uh, Jonathan Hickman Brian Hitch joint. Um, that's making me want to go back and read the ultimate universe. And I already got enough to read as it is. (laughs) Okay. So, but yeah, apparently, you know, yeah, that's the thing. And I won't go any further with that because yeah, we we will definitely be probably reading that when that happens next up. Marvel reveals ultimate invasion teaser for Jonathan Hickman and Brian Hitch series. I have not watched this. So it's interesting that Hickman is out here now talking ultimate invasion. Yeah, you know, it was bound to happen. And yeah. He explained it to Entertainment Weekly, and uh, the teaser is forged in fire, shaped by design. So, yeah, you got the maker up in there and all this other good stuff. Yep, as I'm fastly scrolling through the covers, most of which is actually Miles, which makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I like that. I'm kind of slightly looking forward to this, but my ultimate knowledge is doesn't go that much farther than the original uh, Ultimates, the original and the one after that, and probably a little bit of sprinkling of other stuff. And, of course, the MCU. Right. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy's Cosmo gets a Marvel webcomic in time for Volume 3. Yay! Go, Cosmo! Good dog. Because she's a good girl and fuck Craglin. (laughs) (laughs) Good dog. Exactly. Um... That was just mean. Anyway, um, <laughs> mild spoilers here, folks. Yeah, just just mildly. Um, so yeah, six issue miniseries is part of uh, Marvel Unlimited's Infinity Comic format, uh, and I imagine since this article is out here, yep, uh, it is probably already out on Marvel Unlimited already. Um, apparently, they talked to the voice actress for um, Cosmo in the MCU. Uh, about whether she had to do a mocap suit, and uh, you can read the article to find out what she, what she said about that. So yeah, I'm and I'm kind of curious because in the comics, uh, Cosmo is uh, well, actually, yeah, as far as we know, he's a boy. So I don't know if they're if they're if they're changing that for this or they're going with the the quote unquote classic version. I don't know. Read and find out. Next up. Relive the good old days with new Saturday morning variant covers. Starting in July, artist Sean Galloway captures the spirit of Saturday morning cartoons in a new line of variant covers. Uh, inspired by classic TV ads of decades past, these new Saturday morning variant covers capture the exuberant energy and vibrant aesthetics of iconic children's programming with a modern twist. So, uh, yeah, if you scroll through, there's some interesting variant covers here. Look at that. That's pretty cool. That X-Men one is pretty fun. Yeah, I could do without the Venom one. Yeah, Venom can go. Oh, you're uh, muted. muted. Uh, for folks watching the video version, the X-Men one is the one that, that is up on the screen right now. And I scroll through the yep. other ones. So, which now I can't find anymore. Where did they go? Uh, anyway. Um... 
So here's something that I alluded to earlier when talking about Scarlet Witch. There's a new villain called Hexfinder who is set out to slay the most powerful witch alive in Scarlet Witch number seven. Um, so this is from, like I said, this is uh, uh, for Argus's Scarlet Witch number seven, which will introduce Witchfinder, who will be going after uh, Wanda and her magic. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do we get pictures? Yes, we do. Here's some pictures of what the character looks like. Um, and apparently, da, 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 yeah, this is a new, uh, a, a new uh, character for Wanda to go up against uh, from Steve Orlando and crew. So there you go. Like I said, you read the, the article to find out a little bit more about uh, Hexfinder. Next up. All righty. Star Wars announces a new horror-fueled event, Dark Droids, revealed at Star Wars Celebration 2023. Marvel Comics' next major Star Wars event, Dark Droids, will unleash a horrific threat onto the entire galaxy. So this is going to be an event launching in the Star Wars comics in August of 2023. So it's being spearheaded by Charles Sewell. And uh, who's writing the main Star Wars Dark Droid series alongside artist Luke Ross. This is set between the events of Star Wars Episode 5 and Star Wars Episode 6. So this is between Empire and Jedi. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is what I was alluding to earlier when I was talking about the Star Wars and Darth Vader. Um, because that because Darth Vader was actually the thing that made me look this up. Because I don't remember talking about this when we talked about the, the stuff from... Um, Celebration. celebration yeah yeah so i don't remember this being a, a a a thing but there you go uh quest of the jedi could have ramifications on the entire star wars universe and this is a spoiler from star wars the high republic adventures quest of the jedi number one which is now on sale um and um without getting into specifics specifics because I have not been keeping up with the uh, High Republic stuff, much less the adventures. This is a one-shot that came out, I think, this week. Um, and uh, this article kind of goes into what's, what the, what that is about. And like I said, I'm not going to go into it because I'm pretty sure that there are some folks that, um, that, are <clears throat> that might want to catch up with it, such as myself. Next up. All right, DC announces new Golden Age Sandman, Flash, and Green Lantern series. So these three Golden Age series um, were uh, announced under Jeff Johns' new Golden Age banner. Okay. So spearheaded by Johns, DC's new Golden Age is a crossover spinning out of Flashpoint Beyond uh, that began in 2022 with the new Golden Age one-shot. It also encompasses Johns and Mikhail Janins as Justice Society of America series and Johns and Todd Knox, Stargirl, The Lost Children miniseries. Those are DC comics right now, for real? Yeah. I, see, I think All the right. Stargirl one is, I think, about the end. All right. I mean, somebody's reading this, I hope. Uh, I think so. I, uh, that Justice Society book, if that's the same one I'm thinking about, I have been reading that. I have not. I was going to take a look at that Star, Star Girl one for some silly reason, but I did not. Uh, because, like I said, I've been wanting to get dig into more DC with this Dawn of DC stuff, which is these new um, stuff is coming out of. Also, go figure. Uh, Jim Lee named president of DC, not Washington DC, but DC comics. 
So, yeah, the announcement was made by Pam uh, Lifford, or Lifford, uh, not to be confused with Liefeld, president of Global Brands, Franchises, and Experiences at Warner Brothers Discovery, to whom Lee will continue to report. Lee will continue his primary duties as publisher at uh, DC Comics and also leads creative efforts to integrate DC's publishing portfolio of characters and stories across all media, supporting Warner Brothers Discovery's family of brands and studios. So, I, you know, if you don't know who Jim Lee is at this point, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, good on him. Next up. IDW announces organization restructuring and names a new leadership team. So there was some unfortunate news coming out of the IDW corner of the comic book world this past week. And this article is written by our very own at TimDog98, a.k.a. Timothy Adams. IDW has announced some behind-the-scenes moves to appoint the new leadership team as well as restructure the organization to better set itself up for success. IDW Media Holdings, Inc. and its IDW Publishing Unit made the announcement. So there was a report earlier in the week that a number of cuts were made to IDW's workforce, with the number reported to be around 39% cuts. Ugh. Ah. So uh, apparently there were some key promotions and appointments included in those appointments are David e. Jonas, a CEO, and Joshua Frankel, a CDO, and the promotions of Mark Doyle and Tara McCurlis to co-publishers, Amber Huerta, a COO, and Jamie S. Rich as editor-in-chief. So, you know, you got to hope for the best for IDW because, you know, it's a struggle, especially with their reliance on licensed properties. Right. And we've already seen a, um, a couple of, you know, lesser known uh, publishers kind of eat it uh, recently. Um, so, yeah, you know, you know like Agent 7 said, kind of hope, hope for the best for them. Um, last but not least, come on, Boom Studios and Amy Jo Johnson gives fans a prelude story in the upcoming Mighty Morphin uh, Power Rangers 30th anniversary special. So this is, um, this is from Boom, so take this for what it is. But due to the overwhelming positive reaction to the announcement of the upcoming Amy Jo Johnson pan to comic book series which we may or may not have talked about at some point. Boom Studios and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers original Pink Ranger, Amy Jo Johnson, are offering fans a glimpse into her world of the Rangers with an eight-page prelude story, now to be included in the upcoming Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 30th anniversary special. The new series was uh, announced as a part of the currently active Boom Directive, the Boom Direct Reserve campaign. Um, Power Rangers of 30th anniversary comic book celebration as it rocketed past the 250,000, 250,000, 250, yes, 200, sorry, I don't know why I'm, I'm not going to, $250,000 uh, stretch goal within less than 24 hours of the campaign launch. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're, so they're adding this, um, an excerpt to the story to the special because stretch goals. Um, good, good on them, I guess. And apparently, oh wait, no, it closed already. So never mind. Couldn't get on it if you wanted to. But yeah, there you go. Uh, the Pink Rangers got a story, got a, got a book coming out, so they wanted to give you a little sneak peek uh, prior to. 
that has something to do with them doing a crowdfunding thing for us. So weird. Anywho, um, that is it for the uh, news, folks. Let's get one last ad read in. I do have something very quick for this week. And I also wanted to just shout out very quickly that we are we we did kick off this past week uh, Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. So Mm -hmm. we will have, you know, stories about, you know, relating to that over the course of the month. Of course, we will also be dealing with lots of movie uh, protocol weeks. So we will see how that all plays out. So first up. Guess what came in after I pre-ordered it on uh, uh, one of our sponsors? I won't say who, but you, you know, once I say that, you know who it is. It is the McFarlane Toys Demon Slayer Wave. I got two figures of the four. I did not get uh, Zenitsu nor uh, Michael Jackson from Moonwalker, aka uh, <laughs> aka the bad guy. <laughs> I did though get. Uh, Tanjiro and Nezuko, I will be, uh, oh, here we go, this is not bad. Go find it, there we go. There we go, right, so, yeah, we have, uh, Tanjiro and Nezuko, Tanjiro and Nezuko, I'm talking right through in between, and I will turn off the, uh, the visual, um, the, the virtual background in a hot second, but bottom line is, these are, in fact, pretty cool, articulated action figures, and they are not. Uh, with uh, what we're used to from Japan, which is, you know, kind of uh, statue-like figurines. And that's always kind of a disappointment when it comes to um, anime-based merchandise. So it's kind of cool that uh, we're getting, you know, basically six, six to, six to seven-inch scale action figures for Demon Slayer. And I made sure to scoop uh, Tanjiro and Nezuko. And this is also a reminder before going to bed to watch this week's Demon Slayer. Yep. So I'm glad to, I'm glad to have these now. They will be opened up very soon. You didn't say it right. You didn't say it right. Nezuko! Didn't say what? <laughs> oh, Tanjiro! <laughs> Get some up in here. <laughs> That's just the way you said. <laughs> All right, sir. Hit me with a uh, uh, last ad read, sir. Our last ad read of the night, you know, our our our, our unnamed sponsor that we uh, that I didn't name in the last, uh, you know, in, in Toy Corner. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or McFarlane Toys Demon Slayer figures. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, Agent 70 held held up the, the figures again as he was doing the read, but he did not get seen, sadly. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, but, folks... As I'm keeping my promise to Agent 70, we are going to head on out of here at a pretty appropriate time. Uh, I'd like to thank each and every one of you folks for coming through, coming out for this um, this uh, movie protocol version of the show, or post 
movie protocol version of the show and uh, to say that we have a few more lined up in the weeks to come. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, Fast X is right around the corner. It's not next week, weeks. but the week after. Yep. Two and then weeks. not the next week, but the week after mm-hmm. is Edge of the Spider. Enter the Spider. Wait, what is I forgot. Across, I get all of them confused across now. The Spider Force. What is it? Across the Spider Force. Across, across. See, now I got to remind myself that it is a play on a Beatles song. Right. And I'm trying to remember what the what the third movie is supposed to be because I know it's supposed to be a two parter, but I can't remember what the, what the last one's supposed to be unless they change it again anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's going to be Hey Spidey. I know, Don't right? make it bad. <laughs> across the street i don't know across uh, queens um uh, i am the walrus anyway <laughs> cuckoo kachu oh jesus but yeah i think those that that is it until the mar well no no that's there's something before the marvels like i feel like but i can't remember now we're gonna go movie protocol for yeah, but yeah, there's nothing. But folks, but... after we after we get off after we 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 hop off, we're going to do a little bit of research so that we can better inform you the next time we are on what our potential movie protocol shows might be. Yeah, but with that, folks, uh, I have been Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at News No Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network.com, and all those umbrella sites they're in. And of course, Tim D O G G 98 on Twitter, uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles Twitter account, uh, the Click Nation on Twitter, that's T H E K L I Q N A T I O N, the Click Nation.com. And, of course, if you go over to comicbook.com and go look up uh, Timothy Adams, who supplied us, well, indirectly supplied us with some of the uh, stories we have uh, talked about tonight, you can go over there and check him out as he's writing his face off. Because he's not the one who picks the news I am. So, But, nevertheless, <laughs> some of his stuff got in there that I didn't know. Sometimes I look for stuff and it's like, oh, Tim did that one. Okay, cool. But I don't put him in just because he did that. Which, I don't know why I'm talking about it. Because I put him in there if I damn well want to. Anywho, you can find this here podcast. Oh, the Coastal Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today! <laughs> You can also find this on your podcast browser place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, uh, and of course the Cold uh, yeah, the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and give us all the positive five-star reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. Uh, yes, and on that you can find us um, recording every Thursday night, 9.30 mostly every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Click Nation's YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash theclicknation and twitch.tv slash comicbookchronicles. Please hit like, subscribe, and make sure to hit the notification button so you know when we are on live. And speaking of which, later to you, uh, Benji Games 2, who, who's always joining us. Appreciate you being here as always. Thank you. And anybody else who who showed up, whether um, you know, lurking in the uh, on YouTube or and or Twitch, and come across this later on, we appreciate all of you. 
Because we definitely do, do tend to get some views after the fact on, on YouTube, which I got to get, get mindful of getting the timings on. And yep. with that, folks, this has been the Cumber Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. Oh, my time is up. Peace out to Brooklyn. Thank <laughs> you.